Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by OCR athlete Bethany McChesney. Bethany and I had a great conversation today talking about her journey as an athlete and the things she has experienced up to this point, including eating disorders and multiple injuries. We also got into the conversation of her as a coach and how her experiences have impacted the way she coaches her athletes. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Bethany, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, I saw some of your story over time on um, social media, listened to some of your podcasts that you've done in the past, and just absolutely like I think a lot of people can relate to your story and what you've gone through over the years since you've been an athlete. And that's why I really want to get you on is to kind of share some of that story. So I will let you just kind of like introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Okay. So I, I'm an elite obstacle course racer. I'm on the Spartan pro team um, here in Canada. I'm a mom of two. I'm a business owner. I own a gym and I'm a podcast co-host for fun on the OFX podcast. Podcasting is fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's another thing we can also dive into too, maybe if we have, have the time and want to, but the fact that you do have all of these different roles and you're still able to be a high level and highly competitive athlete too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So let's dive into your story first. Um, you have quite a history of different injuries and you kind of had to figure out on your own why those injuries are happening. So I would love if you kind of share your story of all of that from like through university and everything. Yeah. So, um, I think just being in competitive sport for as long as I have, you're kind of going to run the gamut of injuries. Uh, so I did start running competitively when I was 14. So, and then through high school, I ran varsity track and cross country. Um, and then kind of in university is where I really started to hit a lot of my, uh, like my pretty major injuries, but I was on a team where it was really promoted, um, smaller is faster and you race no matter what. And if you're in pain, like if you can painkillers or whatever it takes you, it's kind of like a, you do whatever it takes to get through races. So it was kind of a mentality that was ingrained in me. So I really learned to effectively shut off pain signals and I disconnected with what's bad pain and what's okay pain to push through and you just push through everything. So yeah, in university, I was plagued by stress fractures. So it was also an environment where it, there was a ton of eating disorder issues. And I kind of fell into that just being someone striving for high, to be the best that I can. And I just saw all the girls around me kind of doing this and the coach sort of promoting it in his subtle ways. And I fell into that as well. And, and, and uh, was extremely malnourished in university and ended up with some bone density issues and chronic stress fractures. Um, and again, the coach just kind of like, if you can run through it, you keep running. So, um, and the sports doctors were kind of on the same page and we're just always like painkillers, anti-inflams, cortisone, all the gamut to keep athletes just racing. So I, yeah, I did deal with stress fractures for a long time. Um, and it took 
probably three years of um, probably, I think I had five stress fractures until eventually they did bone density tests. And I was, um, I wasn't, I, I was osteopenic. So when I was 20, um, which is kind of scary. And so that's, it was kind of a wake up call for me that I, uh, this isn't how this is meant to be done. And I have to sort this out. And that's kind of when things shifted a little bit for me. It, it doesn't really happen overnight because it was a bit of a process from there. But yeah, I just, I was like, I have to do this properly. I have to do this healthy. And that's kind of when I started my journey of trying to figure out how to do it right. But then there's always this, there's the mentality of I have to be small because I ran fast and I was small and then, but trying to be healthy. And then this like just mix mash of stuff that kind of goes on in your head constantly. So Absolutely. Just curious, do you know how much you were eating during that time when you were constantly injured? Uh, like you want to talk numbers? Yeah. Like I know specific numbers. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. That's probably part of the problem. I think is you get obsessed with numbers. Um, I don't always like to talk about it. So just like, if it's triggering to someone don't compare, but so it sounds so bad. So when I was at my worst, <laughs> when I was at my worst, I tried to get under a thousand calories a day. Okay. And I was running two or three times a day. Yeah, I think. And not that I want to trigger anyone, but I think it's good to understand that. Cause I don't know like how many people I talk to that are just like full grown adults who are runners. And it's like, Oh, like I'm eating 12 to 1400 calories a day. And like you can really function as a human on that amount. I know. I know. So yeah, I, I learned a lot about numbers and this has nothing to do with my mom's fault, but she was also a chronic dieter growing up and she was into like the Weight Watchers, which is number counting. And like, so I was like, okay, I knew what her numbers were. And then again, being an overachiever, I was like, well, I'm going to do one better and go a little bit less. But again, not taking into consideration my activity level. And at the time I was running a lot, um, like an average week would have been 100, 120 kilometers a week. And I was surviving. And it's, it's really remarkable when I look back. And some of it was, I think, because I was young. Um, but it's, it kind of blows my mind that I was still able to do what I did for that brief period of time with so much um, malnourishment, but yeah. So then you have this tiny window of time and this is kind of what happens I think is, so it was kind of in first year university when I saw what was going on on the team and it was really like the plague with eating disorders when I entered uh, the university that I went to and I was like, okay, this is what I have to do. And I just made the decision and I started doing what I saw all the other girls doing. And then you have this time where you lose weight and you run really, really fast. And that's kind of what happened to me too. And then you're praised like crazy. So then I was like, okay, this is what I have to do. And I just assumed this is what you did to be at that level. And it's just, it still blows my mind that I was able to perform for that tiny window of time consuming what I did in calories and, but it doesn't last long. And then within the year I was broken and that, and then it began the cycle of injury after injury, after injury and other issues that go along with it. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's terrible, but, and it's 
also that it was never really talked about because if you're running well, people just leave you alone. They assume, well, you must be okay because if you can still run, like you, you must be doing something right. But really like I'm starving myself every day. So it's something that, and so I was in university a long time ago now, I would say I'm like, I'm 36. So this was 17 years ago when I started and it has gotten a lot better in the world of uh, varsity athletics. I think with talking about eating disorders and the coach that I had then was very old school. He was 60 something at the time. And there was just not a lot of conversations about it. And I do think it has gotten much, much better since then. I don't think it would have got ignored now, like it did back then. So that's a good thing. And since I've, since I've graduated, I have gone back and I've done some talks at the university about my experience with everything. And so there is some movement towards bringing it out a lot more and talking about it a lot more. Yeah. The, compared to then, cause I remember my high school and college days too, which was that same time frame. And yeah, there's just so much more awareness around it now for sure. Yeah. What did you notice or like looking back, you probably didn't even think of it at the time, but looking back energy level wise, like what was your energy like when you were going through all that? Um, yeah, it was extremely low. I do, I do remember having a pretty excessive coffee addiction. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A lot. I, I think I pretty much drank coffee from the time I woke up till after my last training session Um, there was a bit of caffeine pills and everything in there too. Um, yeah, energy levels were low. I did. And then with that, you end up like, it's quite often then you end up dealing with depression. Um, you socially isolate. Um, but again, I think, I think some of it, I kind of got away with because I was young, um, and I could still kind of get by, but yeah, there was a lot of warning signs, but you just, again, being as disciplined as I was, you just kind of fought through it all anyways. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So what was that journey like for you from like kind of realizing there was a problem that you need to address and then actually getting to the point that now that you're 100% past it, cause I know mental mentally triggers are still there, but to the point that you're like, I'm okay eating enough or eating more. Yeah, the, the process of getting better was not as clean as I wish it had would have been looking back, but I, I had made a decision to try to get better. And it's really messy because you're constantly fighting this battle of I need to eat, but I don't want to gain weight. And then it, even the eating process causes anxiety and you're afraid of losing being that person that you are. Um, so there was trying to get back into eating normally, I did end up developing uh, bulimia as well. So just like being just like trying to eat and then the panic attacks that would come with eating, um, which is, I, I, I don't, I never really talk too much about it because there is some, there is some shame involved in it too, because you're fighting so hard to try to get better, but then you're just battling constantly. So there's a few years of that, of me trying to get better on my own and it not working well. Um, I did end up going to a treatment center once. Um, it, it wasn't fantastic again at the time, but it was just so much about like forcing the eating piece and not so much talking about like the whys. So it didn't really work well for me. 
Um, but then ultimately what ended up shifting my mindset in the end was I got pregnant with my son when I was 26 and it was almost like in an instant, my view of my body changed. So it was no longer about me eating to be able to run or me eating or, or restricting myself so that I stayed a certain size so I could run faster. It wasn't about me anymore. It was about me keeping my son healthy. And my body was viewed completely differently now in my mind, like in an instant, in that moment that I found out I was pregnant and it, it ultimately that shift in mindset about the purpose of my body changed everything for me. So after he was born, it gave me this newfound respect for my body and what it's capable of. And it was like, I, I didn't really care anymore if I ever ran fast again, because I was just so in awe that the female body could do this, could grow a human. And I, and I just, I think I just gained so much more respect and I stopped constantly abusing myself and my body. And, uh, and I also fell in love with running in a different way because I was the first time in my life too, when I was just running because I loved it and not because I was training for a race or training to perform or trying to perform to be accepted. And it, it was just the shift that needed to happen. And I know it's, <laughs> that's not the solution, <laughs> but it's how it worked for me. And I think if, if you could work through that in a different way with, uh, like the proper health and counseling, it, it would help too. But so ultimately that shift in viewing my body and the place that running held in my life and understanding why I do it ultimately. So for me, those three things coming together were how I got better. So, and after my son was born, I, I really didn't struggle like I did before. Like then it was, you know, I have to fuel to perform. And that year after my son was born was still one of the fastest years of my life still. So Mm -hmm. let's take a quick break to talk about Venga CBD. I absolutely love CBD because of what it can do for the body with decreasing inflammation, increasing recovery, and enhancing sleep. Venga has an awesome product in the Ultra Gels to enhance recovery and also has their sleep product, which is amazing for both the recovery aspect because it has the CBD, but also the sleep aspect because it has a compound called CBN as well as melatonin. The other thing I absolutely love about Venga is it is made by athletes, for athletes. So it is a highly tested product to ensure that it is high quality and is clean. I encourage you to go check out Venga CBD and test it out for yourself and see if you get the same benefits that I do. You can check out all of their great products by going to getyourfixpt.com slash Venga CBD. And if you use my code, get your fix at checkout, you can save an extra 20%. You can also check out all of my partners at getyourfixpt.com slash partners. And now let's get back to the conversation. 
Do you notice yourself, like if you do have just maybe a race that you just ran slower or didn't go as well, do you notice yourself kind of shifting, like getting back into that mindset a little bit, just temporarily, or are you pretty good at staying out of that? Yeah, I do. It's, I I find it obviously a lot more if I race on the roads, um, because since, since shifting to OCR, it's helped that a lot because I know I have to be a certain amount of strong in order to do well in OCR too. Cause when I, when I started OCR, things like heavy carries used to still destroy me. And so I knew I had to gain strength in order to keep doing well in OCR. So, but if I ever go back and I do a road race and I'm standing on a start line, I immediately feel like I'm carrying too much muscle. Like I'm not going to run fast. And I, if I run slower than I think I should have, it, it does, but then it's, it's just that self-talk then that I have to go through. And I just think I would rather, I'd rather be healthy than run whatever, how much time faster. It's just not worth it to me anymore. And just being able to love it again and feel properly. I know you work at a gym, coach people. Um, What are like, how do you work with the people that you do as far as helping them to understand food is fuel, not to really get focused on numbers, not in just really to kind of be, get that healthy relationship with food, especially when a lot of people work out for, or at least start to work out because of like wanting to lose weight or to get in shape. Yeah. So with my gym and with my clients, I'm very intentional about not having programs or things that go on in the gym that have to do with weight loss or like six weeks, like biggest loser challenges. Mm -hmm. So all of my, my goal setting and my planning with my clients has to do around physical accomplishments. So we shifted away from how much weight do you want to lose? What do you want to look like? And I I'm constantly reminding them of what you've accomplished physically with your body. And I say to them all the time, I don't care. I don't care what you look like. I don't care if you lose weight or not. I care if you're healthy and you're happy and you're treating your body right. And that, and some of that does mean you might need to change some things about your diet because it's not treating your body right. And if you want to still perform and you want to accomplish these really cool goals, then you might need to shift some of your eating, but I don't want that to be the focus. Ultimately, I want my clients to come in and I want them to fall in love with exercise for its purposes and what you can get out of life and what it adds to your life instead of always just trying to shrink your body. Mm -hmm. So I, I do talk about a lot. It's always interesting when someone new comes in and they ask me and they talk about their goals and I try to explain a bit of the culture of the gym too. Like this, it's just not what we're about. And I'm not going to make you count calories or your macros. If you want to do that for a short amount of time, I generally recommend people don't get into the mindset of calorie counting and making food into numbers, um, except for the purpose of if they have some health issues and it's necessary. But even then, I just I try to make sure that people have keep a really healthy way about them when it comes to their thoughts on food. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a much smarter and more important way to do it is, you know, if nothing else, just the education of like, this is why processed foods aren't the greatest for you. And this is why like actual food is and and having more of that discussion than the like, don't eat this, you know, things. Yeah. 
Yeah. All the, the rules that like you can't eat this and you can't eat this and this time frame and this, but not before bed. And it's ultimately like we have to think long-term happiness too. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather them just enjoy working out and, and, you know, training for the next Spartan race and having a great time, like, and just stop worrying so much about your body and what it looks like. Think about how much you can do with your body. You just train hard for something. Mm-hmm. Do you find, I'm just curious now with kind of the people you work with, do you find that like, as they start training harder, they just kind of naturally shift the foods they're eating because like, it makes them feel better or. Yeah. Yeah, actually I do. And I think that's why I don't focus on it at the beginning because I think it's such a negative mindset when people start and they get so obsessed with, I just want to lose weight and I have to change my diet and this, but so I I've had some clients too, who've come to me and they're like, I don't want to change anything about my diet. I just want, I'm like, that's great come and work out. And then I do find in time, they're like, I feel a lot better if I don't eat this the night before workout. And then they just, they gradually start to shift it because it makes them feel better in the gym when they're trying to achieve their goals. So it kind of has to happen in its own time too. So I do find, yeah, if they can fall in love with the gym stuff and then they'll more naturally want to start to change these things so that the gym stuff feels a little bit better. And I think that's a more healthy approach to it anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really funny. I, I rarely eat crap just because like, it makes me feel like crap. And so people are always like, yeah. do you ever eat bad? I'm like, well, like, I feel like crap when I do, I don't perform well. So not very often. Yeah. Yeah. And if you really wanted it, you like, I need it. Yeah. But I don't bad. Enough. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. You don't want it. So I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I know now speaking of injuries as well, I know now you are currently injured, not because of underfueling, but you are injured. Um, one thing I love you doing on social media, which is something I made sure I did when I was injured last year is really just sharing your journey, especially like, Hey, I can still work out just because I'm injured. Doesn't mean I still can't do things while protecting that injury. And so I would love for you to kind of, to share kind of your, what you're going through mentally with all this, but also like, what you're doing to make sure you can still train while protecting that injury that you have. Yeah. So this injury has been interesting. It's probably one of the most severe injuries I've had since back in my university days. And I think again, like I talked about with how we were kind of told to just kind of shut, like whatever, if it hurts, you just plow through it. And I kind of did that a little bit still with this injury. Cause I just, I haven't dealt with something this serious again. And it's, it's, kind of reminded me that you don't push through all pain <laughs> and, <laughs> and with, with Achilles stuff, if anyone's had Achilles or planner stuff, you, you have to give it a certain amount of respect because these aren't things you try to train through. So it was like one of those lessons I felt like maybe I had to learn again to respect pain with when it needs things need to be shut down. So I I do have, I have an Achilles injury right now and it's been a little bit ongoing for about the last year. And it's at the point right now where I've had, I have to be in a boot for the six weeks. So I'm at four weeks of six. Um, and right now being in the boot is kind of the first time when I have to really acknowledge that I'm injured (laughs) and which means now I have had to shift obviously I'm not training, training, but I'm still training as far as I'm doing what I can. And sometimes I find it kind of fun to try to figure out ways to work around it. And so just right now, my mindset is just to do things that I enjoy and 
um, not to make anything worse. So I, I really enjoy kettlebell stuff. So I've been exploring a lot of like kettlebell flows and stuff like that, which is easy to do with the boot on still. And, uh, <clears throat> and then focusing a lot on grip and upper body, which is ultimately my weakness anyways. So I've been having a lot of fun with that. <coughs> that's awesome. Like, I think that's, I mean, not the fun part of being injured, not the being injured isn't fun, but you can really just, as long as you can use the body part that you need to use to work on your weaknesses, you can just really almost just kind of play and have fun with it. And I think as a coach, I think it makes us better coaches too, because <coughs> you get to play around a little bit like, okay, in the future, if I have someone with a situation, like I know how to modify their workouts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's always something you can do and being an athlete or, and just being a person who works out in general, you're always going to come across situations where you're going to have an injury or something comes up, something flares up. And it doesn't mean that everything just stops. It just means you shift and keeping the joy in training still, and always reminding yourself, ultimately we do this because it helps our, like our mental state. We do it because it helps our body. And it's not just always about the next race or whatever I'm competing in next. It's still about keeping your body healthy and keeping your mind well. So, so, and like, I think also being an athlete my whole life, you're always, it's not always about training for the next race. I have to think about sometimes it's just about working out and moving your body because our bodies were meant to move and our bodies perform better when they're moving. And so if I don't have a race on my schedule, there's still value in movement. So when I'm injured, then I just think, what can I move? That's not going to make my injury worse. Mm -hmm. So right now it's upper body. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and having that deeper why is so important with anything. Like how many people do you know that got unmotivated once COVID hit because they're like, I have nothing to train for. It's yes. like, you really have to find that deeper why for when circumstances come as like, there just are no races or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right. So you have to, you have to look deeper and think about like, why do I really love doing this outside of just having that race to work for mm -hmm. and how much better do I feel when I'm doing it? And you can keep doing it for those reasons. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And most people, I mean, you started running when you were young. I started work competing everything when I was young, but it's like, how many people, we know a lot of people don't start working out until they're in their thirties or forties. So it's like, mm -hmm. obviously there was some deeper why to that. Yeah. 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 And you have to go back to that. You just keep reminding yourself. Sometimes it helps. Like I, I have a vision board too, and I write quotes and stuff on it all the time. So if you're in a time where you're really struggling, you just start writing out your why and make it bigger than the next race. But even if it is a race, I don't have a hard time with a goal that's two or three years away. So even write that there, because what we're doing now is still helping us get there. So just, yeah, write things like that out. Yeah. Post some places you see it. Yeah, that's a great idea to have those goals constantly there. And like you said, even if it is several years out, like, you know, it's still a goal. Like, write it down. Otherwise, it's just pretend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then look at it. See it. Like, that helps your mind too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is just curious now you and life future, um, obviously you're injured now, but what are you looking, 
Are you looking for a certain race to get back for? Or just going to see how everything progresses once you're out of the boot? What's your future look like? Mm, I have so many goals. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, ultimately, OCR is my my big passion. I love it. Um, I'm on the Spartan Pro team. Hopefully next year, even though I haven't raced in two years, I will be as well. OCR World Champs is my favorite race of the season. It would have been my A race this year if I was racing and we could cross the border. Um, I'd love to do well at OCRWC. Um, podiuming would be amazing. I cannot wait to start trying things like DecaFit. <laughs> the functional fitness racing just gets me so psyched because I love that type of stuff. Um, I did at one high rocks before the world shut down and it destroyed me, which means I need to go back and do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so like I want to do high rocks and I want to do Decker stuff. I want to see how well I can do. Um, I'd love to see how close I could get to that Decker fit world record and yeah, then just do as well as I can in the Spartan series and then OCRWC. Awesome. Love it. Mm. Any word on when you are able to cross the border again? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're looking at November right now. So there's a DECA in December that I'm going to try to get to. And I would probably just do it in the open and just do it for fun. Um, and then Chicago in January. So I, yeah, I think we're opening up in November. <laughs> hopefully (laughs) yeah but I'm skeptical of everything right now so we'll see yeah it's finally I still have a credit for high rocks from March of 2020 and then obviously everything was canceled and then it's like it was for where I live I have to travel regardless of where the the race is I'm like I need to see that things are not being canceled anymore before I book something I'm gonna have to travel for yeah exactly yeah we're the same thing we're the same Mm -hmm. so well, cool. Um, if anyone has questions for you, just wants to reach out to you because they resonate with your story, where can people, or simply just want to follow you in your OCR journey, where can people find you? Yeah. So if people want to, if they want to follow my journey, so Bethany McChess, so my Instagram would be the best way. And yeah, if anyone has any questions that they want to reach out to me, even with the eating disorder stuff, I know it's sometimes hard when you're in the midst of it and you might need just someone to connect with. I'd be more than willing to chat about that. So my Instagram would probably be the, the best way then to get in touch with me. Awesome. Well, Bethany, thank you so much for your time. And especially thank you for sharing your story. I think a lot of people um, can resonate to it just because it is so uns- not a hidden thing, but it still is kind of a hidden thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation today. And before we close out, I want to share with you a program I have called Resilient Shoulders. As OCR athletes, shoulder issues are very common. And if you are like most athletes, you use the lacrosse ball, you stretch, you do all of these things to try to improve the mobility of the shoulders, and yet you continue to have pain. Many times it's because the right things are not being done to really solve those problems, those underlying issues. And that's why I created Resilient Shoulders. Resilient Shoulders is an online platform 
that gives you the necessary things to do to resolve your shoulder issues, as well as minimize the risk of more issues happening in the future. So head over to getyourfixpt.com courses to check out the Resilient Shoulder course, as well as my other online programs. And once again, thank you so much for listening today. I really hope you enjoyed it. And now let's go out and be highly functional.